Rewind. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 14 of Wednesday Night Rewind. It is Kyle Joseph coming at you alongside, as almost always, like as always for this this particular show, Rylan Turner. Rylan, how are you doing? I've had a trying week, Kyle. I've had a trying week. Uh, if you, I mean, I'm not going to make you share with the podcast, and our more squeamish listeners might just want to skip the next two minutes, but if you want to share what's been going on, you're free to. Well, I'm, I'm not going to share this full story uh, on this uh, edition of the show because I am going to save this for Jagger's Eve. Because uh, that's the show where we get gross. So, needless to say, I woke up last Monday with sharp pains in my abdomen, and I was rushed to the hospital via ambulance for kidney stones. Stay tuned. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I'm not looking forward to being tuned. I'm also not looking forward to drinking Jaeger. So, lots of things that we've got to. Lots of nice decisions that we've made that we've got to figure out. But none of that for today. Today we're talking about Wrestle War 92. It is sort of the season for war games. And this was one of the early ones and one of the early one of the early shows that really nailed this stipulation by all accounts, and we get to review it, which means uh, you get to hear Kyle complain about the fact that old wrestling is old. It's true. Uh, it's true. It, I was I was very excited when uh, I selected this uh, because I knew that this was probably going to be a more fun show for, uh, for me to listen to you review. Uh, I bet you're thanking your lucky stars we've changed our format to a top 10 at this point. I'm feeling better about that, certainly, than... Um, Oh, hold on, Rylan, just a second. That's okay. We'll, we'll go from here. We may have to cut that. So this is an interesting show. Obviously, it's sort of considered this this um, very well-regarded older show. I have a history of complaining about wrestling that is 30 years old, but we'll see how this one goes. Uh, I feel like it's a nice mix of complaining and being pleasantly surprised. But uh, before we get into that, I feel like you have uh, some information you want to give us, uh, courtesy of uh, Rob. Yes, it is uh, the Wednesday Night Rewind, so we will do as we usually do. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Rob's Roundup. And this shout, month... Shout out to Rob. I think Rob was probably particularly excited to talk about this. Yeah, shout out, shout out to Rob for sure. Oh, no, how do we get back to that? All right, uh, so... As we usually do, we've got some information that we've got to talk about. And uh, shout out to uh, Rob, our very loyal listener and former WrestleQuizdom champion, who had some information that he was going to give us about this particular pay-per-view. Yes, I can imagine every time uh, I go to Rob and I'm like, I have an old pay-per-view for you to give us information on, he gets a little giddy. Uh, as I'm sure he did for this one. Uh, Wrestle War 92. This is the fourth and final Wrestle War named pay-per-view. It was replaced by Slamboree, and War Games was moved to Fall Brawl. Seven of the ten men in the War, War Games match are WWR, which I'm not sure what that means. Hall of Famers. I'll have to I'll have to check in with Rob on that one. Uh, with Dustin eventually going, and Nikita and Bobby should be in it. He, he says, uh, rest in peace to Bobby Eaton. Uh, Dangerous Alliance attacked Sting at the press conference after Super Brawl 2, which led to Nikita making his return, siding with Sting after a feud with, between the two of them. Bill Alfonso, the, uh, our, everyone's favorite uh, manager, is actually a referee in this, and this was his second... Um, he was the second referee in the War Games match. Um, he then uh, asks the question, any guesses to who Scotty Flamingo is? which uh, Kyle and I both know is uh, is our friend Raven. Yeah, um, I, like, I did not recognize him at all during the show, though. It, you know what's funny is, like, 1992 and 1995 are completely different time periods for this guy. 
and the the guy who we know or who would eventually become Raven is a completely different guy than this Scotty Flamingo, I I would say anyway. Um the super inv- he reveals that super invader is actually Hercules Hernandez, yep. which uh oh pro wrestling. Um Big Josh was supposed to wrestle the Diamond Stud, aka Scott Hall, but he left the company beforehand. Uh they had to wait s- six months. Uh, to match him up with uh, in WWE uh, as Doink the Clown and Razor Ramon, so that's uh, that's what Big Josh eventually became. Yeah, Doink the Clown. Yeah, I saw that too. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Steiners will eventually win the IWGP Tag Titles after the match, beating Vader and Bam Bam Bigelow. Which, oh my God, I'm just thinking of that match. Well, that was that probably, was probably a barn burner. Um, in New Japan too. I can't imagine that was an amazing match. Um, Meltzer gave this War Games match a five-star rating. Bill Watts took over WCW booking officially six days before the pay-per-view and from Dusty Rhodes. Everyone is in pretty much agreement that the first half of the card sucked but was worth sitting through for the main event. And that's Rob's roundup for this edition of Wednesday Night Rewind. Uh, Kyle, are you ready to get into our top tens? I am, and I'm looking at this card, and I will say, with disappointment, we didn't get to watch DDP. Yes, yes. Uh, it would have been, I think, that, that dark match being on the uh, actual pay-per-view would have probably been uh, nice, considering that you and I are both giant DDP fans. Unfortunately, without him, we get to talk about everything else that's here around. Did you have any honorable mentions? Uh, God, no. God, no. Uh, do we want to run down the card before we get into our top tens? Sure, we can do that. Uh, we'll go through it here quickly. So the Fabulous Freebirds won the tag team titles off of Greg the Hammer Valentine and Taylor Made Man. Terry Taylor. Uh, yeah, what do you say about that? Johnny B. Bad beat Tracy Smothers. Scotty Flamingo picked up a victory over Marcus Bagwell. In a match that was scheduled to be a tag match, Ron Simmons uh, picked up a then singles match win against Mr. Hughes. Super Invader defeated Todd Champion. Big Josh beat uh, Richard, not Ricky Morton. Brian Pillman defeated Tom Zink uh, to defend his light heavyweight championship. Z-Man. The Steiner brothers defeated, and I'm going to make sure I get this right. It was Izuka and Fujinami. Um, Tatsumi Fujinami, obviously, like, legend, legend of the business. The inventor of the Dragon Sleeper, the Dragon Suplex. Like, yeah. This is, this is, that was a good match, but we'll get into that later. And then, of course, the final match was the war games match and the teams it was a sting squadron was it they called themselves yes they did yes sting squadron uh defeated <laughs> the dangerous alliance we'll get into the particulars of that match because i have a feeling that's going to be making a very high spot on both of our lists mm-hmm. i actually had an honorable mention okay it's young Tony Schiavone. Yes. Yes. So Tony Schiavone and Eric Bischoff acted as hosts in this show. Ironically, this show was in Jacksonville based on our usual coverage of Jacksonville-based Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross. This was at least nice to see that those guys were are, uh, were there 30 years ago, which is wild to think about. Wild to think that I'm also wearing a Jacksonville Jaguars jersey right now. Yeah. We, we, we've really dedicated ourselves to that section of Florida. Just to be clear, this show predates the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what we're, we're, we're talking about here. Um, so, obviously, we have a lot to get to. Well, we're going to get into it. I think I'll start 
because I'll, I'll let you. I feel like you're going to have more interesting, happy, positive things to say about this show than I will. Uh, I'll get into my number 10 if you're cool with that. That's fine. We got to talk about this commentary team. Oh, yeah, I got this higher, but go ahead. <laughs> JR and Jesse the Body Ventura. Like, I will say this. Even in 1992, it is darn impressive to out old man take JR. But Jesse Ventura was out here with all the old man takes. Yes. Yes, he, he certainly did. Let's talk about a few of these things. First of all, they basically spent an entire match debating whether or not a punch was a, le was a legal maneuver in wrestling. Like... This isn't collegiate. Surely Jesse Ventura has seen punches thrown in wrestling. He's one of the biggest heels of all time. He's probably thrown a few. Yeah, but it's like, this isn't, I mean, I know, I mean, obviously Bill Watts is, is coming in to do the booking, so who knows what's going to be legal uh, there. You know, he'll toss you out for throwing. Like, I mean, Scotty Flamingo would have been thrown out of, of his match multiple times for tossing his opponent out of the ring. But I don't know. It's such an out-of-touch thing to say, you know? Like, punches just are part of wrestling. They just – I know they haven't always been time immemorial, but, like, by 1992, certainly punches were a thing. And in this show, there were no less than, you know, 100 closed fist punches. Yes. Yes. Probably probably even more than that, given the War Games match. Probably. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, that's they're not illegal in there necessarily, but, like, even still, it's it's – a wild thing to think about that like they're they're punching they're doing throwing all these punches like oh closed fist punch that shouldn't be that shouldn't be legal or talking about having tape fists you shouldn't be allowed to tape your fists like, oh my goodness all right um but we've got more things to talk about when it comes to jesse ventura's old man takes yeah um, um johnny be bad like, yeah, when when he comes out and he he says that this is the man, the only man in the world who has Little Richard as a hero. Firstly, Little Richard was yeah. amazing. Yeah, put some respect on Little Richard's name. Jesus Christ. R regardless, like they, this, his he has just always been the, one of the most charismatic <laughs> rock and roll. Probably the grandfather of rock and roll. Mm. Like, and I'm sorry, Johnny be bad was over as fuck yes he was so i don't care what <laughs> this is an era of mark marrow's career that i bet he wished he could have clung on to when they made him mark marrow in wwe he lost all that that heat and this guy was it, he was a great worker too yeah like he was. this is this is not somebody who is coming in there looking like crap like he's a, not only that he's a, he was an accomplished boxer that which led to the conversation about the closed fist, the, yes. the fact that he was a Golden Glove winner. But like, my God, like, yes, he's a he's a flamboyant character. And you know what? I will say, I got to give credit where credit is due. Jim Ross tried so hard to just move on from yes, this. He did, and he 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 was just like, "Who cares? This guy's awesome." Like, and that's the thing is, it's like Jim Ross was doing his best to try to step away from like the landmines that were the uncomfortable. <laughs> Jesse yes. Ventura takes and Jesse Ventura was having none of it just kept no. stepping on him <laughs> um the I mean we can talk obviously we can talk about like we get into the tag match with the Steiners I say mentioned the Steiners are from from Michigan where you know where the big three automakers are and then they talk he talks about how Japanese cars are killing the American worker. I'm like, oh man, you are in the wrong place for that. Like, 
all the football chatter too. He looks like he's uh, he looks like he would always always on his back. Uh, probably played for the Sooners. That's uh, a terrible yeah, Jesse Ventura I, impression, but whatever. I, I mean, yeah, and then obviously, yeah, obviously taking the pot shots. I will say the fact that Brian Pillman was a defensive was a nose tackle is is a wild thought. Um, <laughs> that is, uh, and apparently was like led his team in tackles for losses or like let like set a record for tackles for losses at, as a nose tackle at what 225 that's that is mad impressive um but neither here nor there the the thing about it is that this show was so was filled with ventura just foot in his mouth the whole time it was oh it was Sorry, but we ahead. did we did get one JR slip up, or at least one JR. I wouldn't like so. Speaking of football, Polly dangerously was compared to a number of like great football coaches by Jesse Ventura. As he, I do I do like this. I I thought and we'll get actually we'll get into that when we get to the match. But so he was talked about as a great football coach. Um, as a comparison and instead of that jr compared him to jim jones which yo (laughs) it's not a reference you expect to hear on a wrestling show but it wasn't that close to the the the, the timeline of all that that's a good question i actually don't know i should look that up because like i mean i i don't know how long jim jones was, was was you know leading his congregation there but uh Certainly, uh, I feel like it was probably that's probably that was probably 1978. Like not particularly okay, no, close. No, definitely not news then. <laughs> that's a bizarre, bizarre take. Um, but yeah, I. Yeah, this was this was uh, an interesting one, and and yeah, Ventura definitely was was out there with his. Uh, you know, doing what he can. Yeah. Uh, to try to make this sort of a weird, weird show. Uh, that's my number ten. My number ten was the Freebirds versus Greg the Hammer Valentine and the Taylor Made Man Terry Taylor. Uh, I, I, you know what? This I thought was a really boring tag match, but and that's the negative side to it. But I again have to give credit where credit is due. The fabulous Freebirds were over as fuck. Like the the people fucking loved them. I had this one higher, but like yeah, I definitely see like so the boring tag match. Yeah, kind of. This is very a very paid by numbers match, but but yeah, the Freebirds and like you know you heard Bad Street coming and the fans were clearly very happy about it. But yeah, they they're they were always a very popular team, and then hearing them talk later was also wild. <laughs> Michael Hayes does not have an off switch he doesn't and you know what for all the shit that that guy takes as a producer in wwe and and one of those guys who you know books matches and whatnot he could work man like this guy could work a crowd and i can't i can't take that away i've never really watched any of this stuff before i'm not super familiar with the freebirds but um i yeah i thought that this was was something to behold and also some of their stuff with the Von Eriks is worth checking out because those guys are all like like consistently good work rate across the board. Right. Um, one of the things that I will say uh, about this is this was for the U.S. tag team titles as opposed to the world tag team titles. How many goddamn tag titles were in this company at the time? I, I have no idea. Again, that's the thing about this is that I simply wasn't sure what the title situation was and because – like most of the champions were in the the war games match, right? So this was just a, a bizarre time. And uh, this is the time between Flair. This is after Flair left, right? Yes, yes. He was. Uh, this was the same year he won the Rumble. Yes. So yeah. So yeah. It's a very odd time for WCW at this point. Kyle, you're number nine. All right, let's get to my number nine. Let's talk about everything, not everything, 
the things I noticed that were wrong with Big Josh. I also have this higher. <laughs> but go on, sir. His entrance music involved, like, banjos, and he's from Oregon. Like, I don't know if you know this. Those are different parts. In fact, could not be more far apart if we're talking about the United States uh, geography, the southeast and the, and the, the Pacific Northwest. Very, very different. Um, being that this show was in the southeast, it stands to reason they should know that. Number two, they kept talking about how this guy smelled. And when Jesse Ventura said, oh, his sh shirt's ripping off so easy because it's dirty. I just oh. coughed. I just coughed. Oh, it's, it was so... The log roller move that he was trying to do was just so awkward. I felt bad for Ricky Morton, who had to deal with this, and then put this guy over. Um, and then his name is Big Josh. Like, yeah. here's it's what I'll say. It's a lot. Giving credit to Vince McMahon is something that I am very reticent to do. But I will tell you, if somebody was on the indies named Big Josh, Vince McMahon would bring that guy in and change his name. And he'd be right for doing that. Oh, yeah. Ain't no world champion Big Josh. Uh, I mean, and it, to that point, though, Kyle, to that to that point, he did hire this man and name him Doink the Clown. Look, I'm not saying that mistakes weren't made. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, yeah, I don't, man, just a, a, this is a, a wild, wild. He won. It was bad. The match was real bad. God, Ricky Morton tried his best. That's my totally fair. Uh, my number nine was Johnny B. Bad and Tracy Smothers. I actually thought that while this match was very 1992, again, as I mentioned earlier, Johnny B. Bad was a very good worker, and he could do a lot, and especially for 1992, was doing as much as I think he could, with especially with an opponent like Tracy Smothers, who is a very much so methodical sort of slow-paced wrestler um, and, and an old-school wrestler at that. But I thought this match for, like, I mean, it was only seven minutes, right? So, like, it, it, was, it, didn't, it didn't overstay its welcome. Um, and a lot of these matches were really short. And thank God for it. Yeah, like, that's true. Because yes. because when we get into like some of the later ones, it it's just not necessary. Um, but but yeah, that that was my number nine. I uh, I thought that I, I also loved the the kiss that don't miss. I, I I love the the name of that move. Like I just think it's it was fantastic. That was the name of his his left hand. Yeah. Um, and again, like this guy's over. He's so over with this crowd. This crowd. Whatever they were trying to insinuate about this character, this crowd didn't give a fuck. They were like, "Nah, he's cool. He's flamboyant. He's got streamers. He's he's got firecrackers or whatever the fuck he had there. Little little streamer guns or I don't know. It was it was just fun, and especially for this section of the states, I was shocked by this. But uh, that being said, no, I I enjoyed this. I enjoyed it. All right, moving on to number eight, I guess. Yes. When you go to an old wrestling show, the things that you look forward to aren't necessarily the, the, the high-quality wrestling or the, the or at least the work rate. You look for some, some classic wrestlingisms. You look for uh, diamonds in the rough. And you look for that good old-school racism that you just don't see in the modern day. The Super Invader from from Bangkok, Thailand, uh, a 
city that is used in Western media mostly because people think it's funny. Um, so my man had on uh, a full face mask, like mask all the way over his face so his face could not be seen. He had on a headband that had very uh, clearly the Japanese flag on it. Um, not the not the sort of modern Japanese flag, the the rising sun uh, Japanese flag, which I don't know if you know this, Rowan, Japan and Thailand, not the same place. No, I, I've heard. I've heard legend of this. Um, this man was, you know, there's no good way to say this, very, very white. Wasn't he from New York? Yeah, Hercules is from New York. New York. Yeah, uh, I just I, this this couldn't have been. I have it again. I have it higher, but this couldn't have been more just spot on racist. It was it was uh, something. And the match. And the match was, was bad. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, like you got a guy like in, with a name like Todd Champion. You can't <laughs> like could not have been more generic we like please cheer this guy even though there's no way he's won more than like four matches in in his history i yeah i i have nothing to say about this match it was just bad yeah oh yeah agreed agreed fully um my number eight what about me what about Flamingo? Uh, Marcus uh, Alexander Bagwell against Scotty Flamingo was a fairly all right match. This is two guys who were in the light heavyweight division who were not light heavyweights, just based on the sheer size of them. Uh, while Bagwell may not have been his buffest uh, or his stuffest, he was well on his way to getting there. My God, this man was huge. And to call him a light heavyweight, I think, was just an insult to every cruiserweight they brought in after. Um, this match was fine. Uh, I will say, what is with fucking Scott Levy and birds? Like, what is it with this guy? Like, mm. he's either a flamingo or he's a raven or... Yeah, either way, uh, I, I thought this was okay. Like, it was an, an entertaining match. It was very different from every other match on the card, I found. And I think that has a lot to do with Flamingo's offense. Like you mentioned earlier, him throwing Bagwell out of the ring numerous times. And and again, another surprise win. I wasn't expecting Flamingo to go over, but he, you know, he held the tights and he did it. And again, another seven-minute match. Didn't overstay its welcome. Just got in and it got out. And I wasn't offended by it. It's fair. I had this higher. I thought this was a good match. We'll We'll get into it later. And good is there's a bar here. Yes. Oh, yeah. Number seven. Uh, Ron Simmons literally carried Mr. Hughes through a match. And it was sad that um, the some of the best work rate we saw was from Mick Foley, who was not in a match. Mm -hmm. um, beating up. Oh, who was it before them? Uh, I was um, junkyard dog. Right, junkyard dog. Right. I, wow. I gotta say, uh, Mick Foley, his his work on the outside, just squealing and screaming, terrifying, <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> like I've never really gone back and looked at the this era of Mick Foley. Yeah, but goddamn, the Texas Jack stuff. stuff is wild. It is, and I mean, good on him because I feel like he was the most entertaining part of this match. Uh, yeah, he was he was really good. I, you know, Ron Simmons is doing his best. He's a professional. He's great. He was always a good worker. Yes, a type of guy you would ex you would hope would work with somebody smaller than Mr. Hughes, but like everyone's smaller than Mr. Hughes. Um, yeah, I, this he, there are some giants who can pull off the the thing, and some who it just doesn't work. And I, for me, it just this. And it's hard to judge a person on one match, but this was just not good. I couldn't That's agree all I more. To say about that, yeah. Uh, 
I, I'm going to piggyback on off that, and uh, it, we're, we're we're down to number seven, aren't we? We are. Uh, I that was also Mr. Hughes and and Cactus. Uh, I thought that well, like you're right. Everything you said is correct. Ron Simmons, okay, very capable worker, uh, very over at this point too, and and and, and like a top guy, which is which was nice to see. Um, I think he's either soon to become world champion or had already been world champion in WCW. So there's that. Um, like, like I said, Cactus was the best part of this match for me. I thought that the like, and I will say, uh, Jim Ross putting over uh, everything he's doing in this was tr- phenomenal too. Like the dive off the uh, off the ramp uh, with the elbow drop there to Junkyard Dog. Like Jim Ross put it over like he killed him, and um, it was great. Uh, I but again, uh, the biggest thing for me in this is Jesse Ventura. Just. I like while I this had no business being even a uh, like a okay match, like it wasn't helped by the fact that Ventura was just complaining the entire time. Mind the whole match. Yeah, and it was just it made it worse. So there's that. Uh, but that's that's my number seven, Kyle. Yeah, apparently. So uh, just to clarify that, that was supposed to be a tag match between Junkyard Dog and Ron Simmons and Cactus Jack and Mr. Hughes, but they decided to make it a singles match after Junkyard Dog was jumped before the match and knocked out of it. Um, I guess the referees, they said, head official was what JR said, which, again, JR's doing his best. I feel like at that point when he said head official, he was just like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And, And Ventura just did not care. Just going to keep talking about what he's talking about, and that's what he does. And that's that's what he did. My number six, uh, Johnny B. Bad, was good. Yeah. I thought I thought he it was a perfectly fine match. The crowd seemed to really get behind him. It was a lot of fun. Uh, he, you know, got what he was going to get out of the young pistol. Tracy Smothers is, yeah, he was he was also in the match. This was this was good. I mean, it wasn't great, but it. I Johnny B. Bad was a fun character. I thought, despite the fact that this was the definite closest to Jr. probably actually telling Jesse Ventura to shut up before he get in trouble. Um, this was this is a perfectly fine match and uh, right guy won. Yes, yes. I will say this: this show was very quote unquote correctly booked. I don't think there were any like winners over the course of the show that I would say were were bad decisions. Fair enough. Maybe J- Big Josh aside. But I was gonna say they maybe were, even Super Invader. They were tr- well, but they were trying to get those guys over, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. It's just they they didn't help Big Josh at all. Or Jesse Ventura pretty much ruined any chance of Big Josh getting pushed. And Super Invader was a gimmick that shouldn't have happened. Uh, you're number six. Uh, Big Josh. Uh, this was terrible. Uh, like you said, Jesse Ventura made it worse. He did that a few times on this on this pay per view, and it was it was real hard. I can't wait to talk about Jesse Ventura later on my list. Um, Rich, Richard Morton, not Ricky, but Richard, as you said, yeah. um, did his damnedest to he do tried the so hard, and you could see every effort just on this guy's face to make Big Josh look good, and there's just no there was no way for it to happen. There's just no no fucking way that Big Josh was coming out of this any bigger and better than he was going in. Uh, so much so that he soon became a clown. Um, but uh, no, uh, ugh, this was terrible. I just don't even want to. Let's move on. Let's move on. Kyle, you're number six. Yeah, the future, the future Doink the Clown, uh, Big Josh. It's good to see that Doink wasn't the worst character he played. <laughs> Uh, I'm up to number five now, right? I believe so, yes. Freebirds are good. 
Greg Valentine is not to my taste, but perfectly fine. And Terry Taylor was also there. Uh, (laughs) One of the many, one of the many different gimmicks this guy had to suffer through. But uh... I will say this about this particular match. Um, I couldn't tell for the Freebirds who was supposed to be the hot tag guy. Because they kept sort of going back and forth between them, being the hot tag guy. Because first, like, Garvin would come in, he'd do fire up, and then he'd get into trouble. I think Hayes is supposed to be their their hero spot guy. But, yeah, like, uh, also another thing, like, you know, Ventura, of course, being Ventura, saying that these guys are spending too much time rock and rolling and not enough time focused on wrestling. Um, yeah, that, that really panned out considering they won the fucking match. Yeah, and the other other funny thing that came out of this was Eric Bischoff talking about a PC world. In a PC world, uh, behind every good man is a good woman. I'm like, what What are you even saying? Um, so, Because I guess they had uh, uh, a manager. Not really. She wasn't out during the match, just a promo. Regardless. Um, the match was fine. Fans were behind the Freebirds. The Freebirds won. There was a point. There was a point in this match where, um, Michael Hayes went for a DDT and he just looked at the crowd and the crowd just exploded. (laughs) I was just like, "Holy fuck, man!" He didn't even hit the move. It's it was wild to me. They were talking about the maneuvers that were the the like. If he hits this, it's all over. Uh, and it was a DDT for the both of the Freebirds. And it was um, the five iron, which I was waiting to see what that was, but it was just like a running forearm or like a running elbow. Uh, and, of course, the, uh, the figure four. Yes. Oh, 1992. <laughs> Man. The year I was born. Yeah. (laughs) Remember when you didn't have to do much and it could be called a finisher? Yeah. Yeah. 1992. 1992. Anyway, I've said enough about this. Let's move on. Uh, My number five is uh, Super Invader. Super racist is what the character should have been called. And I don't know if I have much more to say. Todd Champion. Todd Champion, man. Todd, that l- listen, oh. Harley Race being paired with the Super Invader character also was the worst use of Harley Race I have ever seen. Can I can I just check with you? Did Harley Race have a Jerry curl? He might have. He might have. It is the era. He, he certainly might have. <laughs> oh, nineteen ninety two. His 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 jacket was loud as fuck. Like, this just stark purple thing. I mean, he's always a guy who wore purple, but my God. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was something. I, I don't have much more to say besides uh, this was just terrible. Just terrible. I, can't even, I don't even remember Jesse Ventura because I think I tuned him out at this point and was just trying <laughs> to watch rest, the wrestling for the wrestling, and then I realized what I was watching and realized there was, like, this was five and a half minutes. And it yeah. was five and a half minutes. It's, I will never get that. I, I felt every single one of them. Yes. Yes. It was this one that I think well, there was a, another, the big Josh match where I'm just like, this is only six minutes, right? Ah, uh, man. Anyway, that that was that was an interesting choice. Uh, let's get to number fours then. I have to talk about Scotty Flamingo. This is a this is a perfectly good match. I thought this was entertaining between the two. They tr- they were decent workers. I imagine they both could have gone on to to give Brian Pillman a decent light heavyweight match if they wanted him, them to. But let me just say this: Scotty Flamingo. That's a, that is a terrible name. <laughs> is it any worse than Johnny Polo? Which was his first name? Yeah, I know. Like, I don't know why all of his characters were lounge singers before he became Raven. Um, and then, speaking of 
where did they find uh, discount um, Elvis impersonator Marcus Bagwell? And what did what did how did he go from that to Buff Bagwell? Listen, Judy Bagwell is an amazing woman, <laughs> and she crafted the perfect specimen of a son. You know, and do you know what I will say about that is because I have seen the Judy Bagwell in a pole match, I will never have to see it again, and that that <laughs> brought me a little bit of joy just thinking about that. Yeah, I, I can't review. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, your your number four, the Steiners, uh, against oh my god, here we go, Takayuki Zuka and Tatsumi Fujinami. Uh, as you said, Fujinami's a legend. I'm sure uh, Ikazuka is as well. It's not somebody I'm familiar with. Fujinami, I am. Uh, this was so good. This was a Steiner Brothers clinic. I, I like. Listen, I know the Steiner Brothers were rough and tumble and and whatnot, but I always enjoyed them. Uh, no matter what era we're talking, I always think the Steiners come out and impress. The super strength, the speed for two men built as big as these guys were built. Obviously, Scott more than Rick, but um, this was great. I, I again, I always love the Steiners, and I think them working with some. Uh, New Japan guys uh, was a great uh, spot to have on this card. The Steiners were the WCW World Tag Team Champions at the time. And like uh, we mentioned, that they would go on to become the IWGP Tag Champions as well. So, again, this is like one of the best eras of the Steiners. Uh, I think that they were characters that you could put on this card. And, like, well, I mean, this was I, – the, the only thing I question about this match is the placement of it. Um, I would have put this somewhere in the middle to try and break up some of that monotonous crap that we had in the middle there with your big Joshes and your super invaders. But uh, otherwise, I thought this was pretty f fantastic. Um, by the way, Izuka was a, a three-time uh, IWGP tag team champion eventually. Okay. Uh, teamed with a number of different people. Was a part of Chaos. Was a part of Suzuki Gun at one point. Okay. All right. So there's there's a lot of history there. Yeah, it's it's weird to see they're talking about this young kid, and then you look him up, and he is you know legend of one of the legends of the business. Uh, so many legends. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that when I talk about this match, which is we're on, we're at number three now. We are. So that's now. Um, this is a good like a, a solid tag match. Uh, it was. Well worked. Everybody involved, obviously, these guys are solid uh, performers, technical wrestlers, and the like. I will say this. Um, here's a fun fact for you. Did you know Fujinami... Um, let me just grab, make sure I've got this correct. Did you know he wrestled this year? What? He was a part of the New Japan's um, when they do the they had a battle royal this year. Yes, for for, for Wrestle Kingdom, right? The, yeah, the yeah, yeah. he was. Rumble. Yeah, he was a surprise entrant. That is ridiculous. In January of 2022, 30 years after this show. Yeah, that they is... were talking about him that he was a legend then. He's 68. My God. I, yeah, I'll give him credit. Um, he obviously, like this, this is a very good match. It was good to see everybody involved uh, get their stuff in. It's fun to go back and watch the Steiners, especially now that Braun Breaker is sort of a thing in NXT. Uh, it's fun to watch the the early Steiners and see sort of where he gets his um, his get up and go. But yeah, this is a good match. I enjoyed it. And Steiner's picking up the victory. And it's interesting seeing um, WCW having that long partnership with New Japan, obviously, and what that meant for 
having some new Japan wrestlers come over and how many good ones they ended up getting who wrestled on, you know, random WCW pay-per-views. Some of those they disrespected by having them beat by the cat. But, you know, aside from that, this is uh, it, it was a good partnership. Certainly. <laughs> Certainly. I'm, I'm never going to get over the fact that Ernest the Cat Miller beat the Great Muda. It's never, I'm never getting over it. Uh, let's let's move on. It's your number three. Uh, we've said a lot about Jesse Ventura on this show, but what we haven't talked about is his attire. My God! <laughs> like this is a guy who always dressed flamboyantly, like and ridiculous. But this guy's rocking a fucking rat tail and a leather jacket with gold studs, and he's sitting next to a baby-faced Jr who is young, spry, and just wants to call some wrestling. And this guy came in with zero fucks to give, and he left with even less. Like, this was just... I like Listen, Jesse Ventura is... He, uh, he is one of the greats when it comes to commentary, depending upon the era. This guy didn't give a fuck about this show. And it's very evident throughout the entire thing. He brings the show down at numerous points. And it's just... I'm sorry, but it's just like... It is incredibly distracting when you're trying to put over new talent or talent that you want to get over to that next level. And this guy, the worst guy to be in this position. Like I would have rather had Bischoff or, 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 um, or Tony Schiavone in this position. Like it just, it made zero sense to me that we, we had to have these two guys together. And again, I feel like until the main event where Jesse Ventura finally got his shit together, this was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, he, he brought this show down in a way. I was like, JR brought this show up in a big way. Like his some of his calls, especially when he gets you know really hyped about some some big moves and stuff like that towards the end of matches, he elevates these wrestling calls. Yeah. In this show, and Jesse Ventura, just when he got stuck on a point, he would just beat that point to death. It's uh, it was it was it, the word I, I, I best describe uh, Jesse Ventura throughout this entire evening, both attire and attitude and delivery is cringy. Like everything was cringy. Yeah, that's a good way to describe him. Uh, shall we move on? We shall. Number two. Uh, Brian Pillman is good. Not a not a controversial take there. And I had never heard of Tom Zenk before. But, yeah, he held up with Pillman. They both, they were both good. It was a good match. Uh, they countered each other's stuff well. It was clear, like, I mean, they're tag partners, so they sort of had each other well scouted. This was perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh, ironically enough, Kyle, this is also what I have for num my number two. The Z-Man. surprising. The Z-Man. Uh, this was this was fine. Like Brian Pillman is again, like you said, he's he's great. Uh, yeah. Tom Zank. Uh, actually, it's funny. Tom Zank is there's a hidden gem of a match with, that he had with Bret Hart in WWE, which Bret Hart credits to being one of the best matches he ever wrestled. Um, and there's a lot of history behind it. And it's it was not a match that uh, lo a lot of people saw until the network became a thing. So certainly a guy that you know, is a bit of a hidden gem. Uh, obviously never had much of a career in regards to being a superstar, but you're in there with Pillman and Pillman is great. He was kind of like the, the leader of this division at this point. And I mean, even going into uh, Nitro as Nitro eventually debuted, he was, uh, he was, I believe still the light heavyweight champion or maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but either way, um, I thought this was great. Uh, again, it's an era thing. Like, would this be a great light heavyweight match in the era that we're currently in? Probably not. Uh, it would be it would be different. It would be, um, you know, a lot less acrobatic and whatnot. But that all being said, uh, I again, I thought that this was fun. And the Z-Man impressed the hell out of me. Yeah, he was a good wrestler. Um, and obviously Pillman, like uh, the thing is Pillman's got the name recognition between the two of them, obviously, but these guys both have put on a very good show and had a very solid match and it was enjoyable. 
It was the longest match on the show before the, or at the at the point where it, they had it. I think the tag match might have gone a little longer. Uh, yes, the tag match went about three minutes long. And then the Wrestle War obviously was the longest match on the show. But yeah, this was this is really good. And I mean, I think we're both going to talk about the same match, right? At number one? Yes, yes. Number one, yeah, it's the same thing. So, we'll talk about everything that was really good about this. Um, I, like, everybody bled like crazy, which <laughs> I'm not super high on, but it was definitely, you know, of its time, of the era, it did, it it added what it was going to add to this this particular match. I thought the match was was solid. It was well paced. Uh, it was well thought out. The, I mean, there's little tidbits that are, are of this match that are really like not necessary things, but really do add to it. Like Polly dangerously out here with his plan, with his playbook, knows exactly. You know, and it is, you know, it is nice to see that these teams coordinate beforehand, especially the heel team. Uh, there were, there are little nitpicks. I had the coin flip in the middle of the match was a weird choice. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I would have, that's something that like future war games matches would set that as a, uh, an already decided feature was who would have the advantage. And, you know, obviously you want the heels to have the advantage. It's kind of the point of war games, but I will say this was a very this is a very good showing by everybody involved. I thought they picked the right people to start. Um, stunning Steve Austin and uh, Wyndham are both good workers. They had just wrestled for those um, the television title. Yes. U.S. title. Television. Okay. So they they knew each other well. Um, I don't really have a bad thing to say about anybody involved. Obviously, like among the some of the best workers of their era, Ricky Steamboat, obviously in this. Dusty Rhodes is in this. Dustin. I'm sorry, Dustin Rhodes, I should say. Uh, Sting, Barry Wind, like the you know, Austin, Rick Rue. Like there's there's a lot of talent. For me, the biggest, the Dangerous Alliance. It's really too bad that group never got more of a showing they were only around just like i think under a year or maybe just over a year in wcw this was a group of phenomenal uh like wrestlers like obviously paulie dangerously had his hand pick hand picking of who he wanted in this group and he picked some stars and some future stars like i'm stunning steve austin is great this guy bumped like a motherfucker in this holy yeah he did i mean the thing that everyone remembers Steve Austin, everyone remembers Steve Austin post neck injury, and it's amazing to consider that he did the entire Stone Cold run basically on borrowed time. But pre Stone Cold Steve Austin was an excellent wrestler. Like, like Stone Cold obviously was. Uh, the truly amazing character and a, a great brawl, one of the great brawlers of all time. But stunning Steve Austin, or you know, all the the variations of Steve Austin that came before the Ringmaster, even uh, despite that name not being particularly great, it is he was a very very impressive wrestler. He was very capable in the ring, could move around, bump, a uh, number of different maneuvers, solidly technical too, like. Yeah, we. I, I feel like we need to do more singing. For anybody who ever says that, like Steve Austin, you know, was a great, better character than he was a wrestler. I mean, it's hard because he was one of the great characters of all time in the WWE, but he was a very, very good wrestler in his time. Other things I wanted to talk about in this match. Um... The spot with Arn Anderson's head stuck in between the two rings. Um, terrifying for a guy who unfortunately ended his career with neck issues. 
Uh, but this also happened to Rick Rude at one point, too. And I'm just like, this is like easily one of the most dangerous spots in this match. And these guys are just shoving this guy in between. Yeah, but I'll say this, the setup for this, because I know in the modern NXT ones, they've got like an actual like separation space between the two rings. This was um, put together and yeah, it looked, it, being thrown between those rings did not look like a fun time. Sting was also fantastic in this. Uh, as soon as he got in the ring, those chops to everyone, even Nikita Koloff, was was great. Uh, he was just super over. Everyone played their part. That was a big thing. Everyone got in. They got their stuff in. They got to do what they were, what they were meant to do. The heels would come in and start to take over again and, and really run the, the plan as they had wanted it to. The faces would come in, they'd get their signature offense in. It was a lot of, it was a very fun match. And then obviously by the end, it devolved into a, a bloodbath. Um, but the ending was interesting. Um, I, I will say this. There's, like, um, the other critique I have of this match, and there's two, the one being the coin flip during the matches a little bit. Uh, the second thing was just the way it was done with the referees outside of the match and everything like that meant the fans didn't really see the finish and had to sort of have the finish told to them. You could see the fans' reaction didn't come until after the announcement was made as to who won. To try to have to follow action through two rings, I imagine is really difficult to do. I feel like the thing about war games is that because of that, you need a really definitive spot to end the match. And on TV, and us watching it, this is a perfectly good ending to the match. But I can't imagine for the people in the in the stadium, I'm not even sure they caught Sting's, you know, because it wasn't even the the Scorpion Deathlock that put him out. It was an uh, an arm hole, arm breaker, right? Yeah, he he, he got hit with the uh, the turnbuckle. Um, oh, the spike, I, this the spike on the turnbuckle, and then Sting just put him in the armbar, and that was it. Yeah, Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton's a guy who I feel like was the the character that got the least out of the, <laughs> the Dangerous Alliance, and he got the least out of this War Games match. He came in, and unfortunately, he was uh, he was the last guy in. Was he not? No, the Koloff was the last guy in. Um. He was the last guy in for the, the Dangerous Alliance. Right. And I just feel like, aside from dismantling the ring a little bit, he, he didn't really come into play too, too heavily in this. And he's a, not a guy who I'm super familiar with. I know his, his passing this year hit a lot of um, uh, classic wrestling fans uh, in the soft spot. So I'm certainly going to have to go back and, and try and see a little bit more of Bobby Eaton. Another guy I'd like to see a little bit more of is Barry Windham. Uh, another guy who I came into this match not really knowing a lot uh, I know he's a former horseman, and I know that this guy's a wrestling legend. But this guy, when he was working with Austin in that first five minutes, was just tremendous. Just tremendous. Yeah. Both guys are phenomenal. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other things I want to hit. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I, I think this is, that's that's it for this. I thought this was one of the best War Games matches I've ever seen. Uh, it is It is definitely up there with, I mean, like, uh, having not seen most of them um i i could safely say that this is one of my favorites um and it's it's highly regarded kyle what are you you, you said you said off air that this one might have a little bit of rose tinted glasses to it i thought it was a very good match don't get me wrong it's just like i know i've heard people put this above the nxt ones and i just i know i'm a modern wrestling fan but i just can't you're not getting me to put this above um Tommaso Ciampa air raid crash off the top with that on Adam Cole. You're not getting me to put this above Cirque de Ricochet. You're not getting me to put this above um, Rhea Ripley and Candice LeRae taking down a half a women's division. It, it's just not happening. But this was a very good match. Kyle, we've made it to the end of uh, Wrestle War 92 with our review. What are you going to give this one? Oh. I'm not quite with Rob 
I think the wrestle the war games match was very good. And it is true a main event can save a major pay per view in a big way for a, in a lot of cases. But the good matches on this show up until that one were fine. And the bad matches were pretty bad. And there was a it's it just like for a show like this, ten or nine matches was too many. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like it's a two for me. I'm gonna give it a four. Uh, I love the War Games match. I love the Steiners match. I love the Pillman match. Uh, the rest was just kind of there. Uh, however, I mean, again, I was more impressed by the Freebirds than I thought I would be. I thought Johnny B. Bad was great. I, I liked the Flamingo and Bagwell match. The three other matches were. I mean, yeah, they were there. Uh, but no, I think the War Games match really brings it up for me, so I'm going to give this one a four. And my God, that might be the highest a show has ever gotten on this this particular series we do. Oh, I, we did the Cruiserweight thing. I That's right. Like that. That's right. That probably did the same. Um, Kyle, uh, before we get out of here, I just want to let everybody know that uh, we have quite the December coming up, uh, but we do have a few shows that dropped late November that I do want to make sure everyone goes out and listens to. Uh, we uh, did a show covering the Survivor Series. Me and Mick Hawley sat down to do a show called uh, Surviving the Series. Uh, we reviewed the show. We were mostly positive with it. There was uh, the first main roster attempt uh, of War Games that we, I think was successful. Uh, the women's less than the men's, but there were, you know, the, the show itself was very good. AJ Styles and, and Finn Balor had a phenomenal match, as you would expect. Um and Sami Zayn is the most over guy in WWE. Sami Zayn, Kyle, got props from The Undertaker this week. Who said that he is just the, the best addition to the bloodline. And uh, current plan is for him to headline uh, Montreal with Roman Reigns. If, if you haven't seen the post-match comments by Paul Heyman, it's one of the most interesting, like, blurred lines between... Um, work and shoot I've sort of heard in, in a in a very succinct comment comparing Sami Zayn to a make a wish basically a make a wish kid who gets to come in and wrestle and they he's so successful they keep inviting him back. Like it's a weird comparison, but he's Steve Urkel. Yeah. He, he's a one off character that they was supposed to come in for, you know, whatever thing and ends up being so entertaining that he kind of takes it over. And also Sammy Zane has an infectious energy that and this is just the perfect role for him too. Because he gets to be he can still be heelish, but he gets to be silly. He gets to be, you know, his sort of goofy uh, mannerisms and everything like that. And he can be fun. And just sort of get the opportunity to craft these guys up. I thought, you know, and and yeah, with, with Kevin Owens there and everything, the history between the two of them, I can't wait to see where this is going. Um, yeah, uh, the emotion that happened during Jay Uso and him hugging at the end of that War Games match, uh, that got, I think, the biggest reaction of the entire show. So I think that anyone who hasn't seen it yet, it's a phenomenal War Games match. Uh, apparently there was some drama that came out of it, so there's there's some stories for for our December shows. But uh, again, I do want to emphasize that we have a lot coming in December. December 23rd, Jaggers Eve three will drop, where myself, Kyle, DK, RJ, and uh, his girlfriend Kobe will sit down and talk a plethora of a plethora of things. Uh, December 24th, we have a uh, hopefully uh, a Ryland's Morning Sports Report covering the biggest sports stories of the year. Of course, we're going to have our lists coming Christmas Day. And another Rewind. Kyle, tell us what the next Rewind will be. Uh, the next Rewind is a show I have not watched before. And it is a show I've always sort of wanted to sit down and go through. It's the first NXT TakeOver outside of Full Sail. And sort of the first really, really huge NXT TakeOver. We're doing TakeOver Brooklyn. Yes, I'm excited to do that. I have seen the show before, but it has been quite a bit. So it'll be nice to go back and look at when, you know, NXT was uh, tolerable for our uh, taste buds. Also, um, a lot of AEW wrestlers on the show. Yes, yes. Um, 
Kyle, I'm very excited for the next month coming through. Uh, just a programming note for everyone who is curious. We are not going to be doing Wednesday Night Wolves weekly during December. Uh, we have decided that we are going to do a season finale during Winter is Coming. And that will be the end of season four. Kyle, it's been our busiest season yet. Yeah, we have a lot of shows. And uh, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, we got, uh, we got the big year-end thing to do to talk about how much wrestling we've we've enjoyed this year and, and i will say this i feel like this is going to be a year where the the best is really easy to figure out and the worst is going to be tough yes certainly certainly but i'm sure we'll find it i'm sure we will find it as we always do kyle thank you so much for for doing this i know this this was a, a show that you weren't necessarily looking forward to too much to doing uh but it, i think we ended up doing a great review so with that being said if you want to find us on social media on twitter it's at wn on Instagram, it's WN Wallop. On Facebook, it is Wednesday Night Wallop. Look for myself. Look for Kyle Joseph's name. That's us. Like us. Subscribe. We're available on Podbean, Deezer, uh, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. We're really work. We're, we're working real hard to get on Apple Podcasts. I'm hoping to announce that in the new year. Um, uh, and if you want to find me personally on Twitter, it's at RYAM Sport Report. Kyle, where can they find you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter at the legendary KJ. That's L-E-R-E-G-E-N-D-A-R-Y-K-J. All right. With all that being said, ladies and gentlemen, you have been rewound. Good night. You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at RylanWallop and Kyle on Twitter at KyleWallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at Facebook.com slash SpearKingCO. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, MaisieMulderDesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, Shows.Acast.com slash WallopMedia.